Hey everyone, it's Lisa Harden with my Poison Bald and Still Standing podcast. Today I'm actually by myself, um, no guest today. And I, um, this could be an interesting one today actually, just due to my uh, own mindset I guess. Um, Actually coming up to eight months post-chemo on the 1st of August, which seems so crazy to me that I'm actually eight months out of chemo. Um, it's such a process. Uh, the healing process is so crazy that, you know, each day is like a victory when you feel like a human being again. And so today of all days, I've been kind of emotional about all of it. Um, which is crazy because it's been a really, this week I've really noticed some pretty good strides in, um, how I'm feeling and feeling better. Um, I actually, uh, worked out, I work out with a trainer every day, but yesterday was able to swing a 25 pound kettlebell for 50 swings total, which, um, two months ago, I couldn't even lift the eight pound kettlebell or five pound. It was the baby one. And I, there was just no way I could swing it. So the fact that I was able to swing it 50 times yesterday at 25 pounds, and I did a hundred rope slams and pushed a sled. Yesterday, I really felt like, okay, I think I'm actually making some progress on feeling better and getting back to feeling a little bit healthy. And then today is kind of a weird day. So um, I get a lot of questions from people asking me kind of the process of going through chemo and getting chemo and kind of what happens during that that time frame and I haven't really talked about that in a podcast and so I thought coming up on my eight month anniversary of chemo I thought maybe this is a good time to just kind of walk through actually what happens in that process I have a lot of people reaching out to me um, asking uh, just questions about it and so um, it's obviously the scariest thing you go through I, I think you know, your first scary um, adventure is finding out you have cancer, and then, then you actually have to go get the poison dropped into your body, and it's a, it's a scary day. I kind of went into it my first day, feeling you're overwhelmed. You walk into the, I was at the cancer institute. Um, you walk in, and there's so many people in there, and obviously people much worse off than I was, and so that's a little overwhelming. It's. Um, it's scary. So basically what happens is you walk in and at this particular cancer treatment center, they're, they're all different, I'm sure. But this one, you walk into a huge check-in counter. They ask you your name. You give them your birth date. And then they ask you if you have a port or if you don't. In my case, I did. I'd had the port inserted about five days before I started chemo out there as well. They have a, a surgery center that they, they like to um, insert the port for you in their surgery center. So I had had it completed about five days before my first treatment. So of course I said yes at the counter and they give you a red bracelet with your name and birth date on it and you f- quickly find out that you are, you will state your name and birth date every day <laughs> for the rest of your life, I think, starting this day. And so um, once they give you your bracelet, you have to check it and make sure the information is correct. And then they sent me to the lab 
to get blood work, and that happens every time you go before treatment to make sure your counts are where they need to be. Um, this particular day, they sent me to the lab. From that point forward, after my first treatment, I actually had the blood drawn in the treatment room that they would send down to the lab to determine if my counts were good enough to receive chemo. But on my very, very first day, I went to the lab first, and they drew blood, and then you wait. You go. They went ahead and sent me up to the chemo room, and you check in when you get there, and there's a waiting area. So you wait in the waiting area until they call your name, and then they take you back. And the room is a large room, extremely large room, with just little cubicles, um, little half-wall cubicles. And you get your own cubicle, and there is a, uh, and they're in stations. And I think there's eight per station, eight cubes per station, four on each side. And so you have two nurses that are in each station. And you have a chair, a chair that reclines back, and they get you, as soon as you sit down, they give you a warm blanket to put on. And then they come over and, of course, ask you your name and your birth date. You say that a lot during the day. And um, they check your bracelet, and then they check the bag of fluids. In my case, I had five different bags of fluids before... I ever got the chemo that and I got two bags of chemo so my treatment was every Friday and I received two types of chemo one time uh, out of a series and so what they considered one treatment was actually three weeks so one week I got carboplatin and I got taxol were the two types of chemotherapy I received I got that on the first treatment and then for the next two consecutive treatments on Friday I just got Taxol. Um, Carboplatin seems to be the one that really did a number on me as far as how I felt although I was sick with even the Taxol but um, that when I'd get the double dose that was that was a rough rough couple weeks in there. Um, So anyway so you you get in your little cubicle you get your blanket on you have volunteers walking around asking if you want water or they have hot chocolate and um then the nurse comes over and explains to you what you're going to get. In my case, I got a bag of uh, Benadryl to help with any allergic reaction to the chemo. I got a bag of an anti-acid, I guess, um, which I didn't know at the time, but chemotherapy gives you heartburn. I'd never had heartburn. I didn't even know what it, what it felt like when I got those symptoms. And I was actually talking to my mom on the phone and describing what I was feeling. She goes, I think that's heartburn. It's crazy enough. I had never had it before. So I got a bag of an antiacid for the for heartburn. I got a bag of a uh, steroid, the lovely steroid that did so much damage to my body. And I got a bag of an anti-nausea medicine. And then they give you just a bag of fluid just to kind of get your fluids built up. So after I received those bags of fluids, then, um, and those are all in individual bags, so you go through four bags and then fluid in between then you get the bag of chemo, um, or in my case, my first treatment, I got two bags of chemo. Interestingly enough, if you've never been with anybody or have never had chemo yourself, when you go, when they come to give you, administer the chemo or hang the chemo on the rack, two of them come over, um, and they are, I mean, I have to say, which thankfully, they are so careful on making sure that you are who you are and that the bags are marked accordingly and there's such a double checking process. So two nurses come over 
one of them is looking at your bracelet. You tell them your name and your birthday. She's verifying that on your bracelet. And then they're also verifying that same information on each bag. And so they've got one lady reading your wrist and one lady reading the bag. You have a patient number on your bracelet, and there's a patient number on the bag, which they're verifying to make sure they all match. And then they hang your chemo. The other interesting thing about receiving chemo is that the nurses, when they come over to hang the chemo bags only, not the other bags, they um, don a robe or a blue, in this case they are blue out there, um, blue gown, I guess for lack of a better word, it kind of wraps around them, a headpiece on their head like a hairnet, and they put on gloves to just hang your chemo bag. And so... Um, I think it was my, maybe my second treatment. I, I mean, it was pretty obvious that they do that every time, and you watch them throughout the chemo room, and they all do it. And so I asked the nurse on, I think, my second treatment, why do you guys don all the gear to just hang the chemo bags? And um, she goes, well, it's because chemo can actually cause cancer. <laughs> and so we have to put this on in order in case something crazy, you know, with the bag and and the chemo gets on us. And I just sat there for so, so dumbfounded for the longest time looking at her. And I was like, oh, oh, you mean the stuff that you're administering straight into my blood vessels causes cancer? And it, it just it just shows you how crazy chemo is and the treatment and what you have to go through. The fact that the nurse is having to put on nuclear gear, nuclear gear, to administer it for you but yet it's going straight into my veins it is is just a crazy mind game that this whole crazy cancer plays on you and it just I just sat there so dumbfounded the rest of the treatment going this does just not make sense to me but anyway so then once you get the chemo on you you um you you know it's like each bag I think drips for an hour so by the time I received I, re, I arrived that morning till the time I left depending on the day and how many chemo bags I was getting I was usually there from about 10 o'clock a.m. to that first day I was there to after four o'clock just by the time you go to the lab and you go through all the process um, I was I think we left after four that first day so that was a long exhausting day the one thing I will say that um, you make such a connection with your chemo nurses, and I will say that my nurse my first day, because you're so scared and you're you're just so uncertain about what the process and what happens, and you know this is what they do every day. So their job, as amazing as they are, it's sort of a job, and so they are working just like you know every other day, but to you this day is a so surreal and and just you're in such a weird state when you get in there that there's something there's such a connection you make with that first chemo nurse and um she was there for me and you know they're so worried about especially getting your first treatment if you're going to have an allergic reaction to the treatment so she literally stood there in front of me while the first drip of poison drops into your vein they give you a little bell to ring if you're feeling any any weird sensation at all. 
um, when the chemo starts hitting your veins to, you know, ring the bell if something's up, I guess what they tell you is you'll feel pain in your lower back, you know, just a typical, like if you were having an allergic reaction, and then they stop the chemo and they give you shots of Benadryl, and it becomes kind of chaotic if that happens. It never happened to me, but I saw it happen to another lady um, on her first day, and it's a little overwhelming to be sitting next in the next cube over when that happens. But thankfully, it didn't happen to me. But there's just a crazy connection that you make with that first chemo nurse, and I think they feel it too. There's such a bond there because you're sort of, you know, you're, there's just like this eye contact that you make that she's looking at you, going, "Okay, you know, talk to me," and you're looking at her like, "Okay, save me." It's just I don't know how to describe it. It's a weird. It's a weird day. It's a weird feeling, and it's um, again. I've said it a million, million of times throughout this process. Is chemo almost killed me, but it saved me. And so you know that you are sitting there, getting poison dropped in your veins. Um, but you, what are what are you going to do? What you know? What are your other options? There are not a lot of options, and so you just kind of go through it, and you just hope you survive the chemo. And I will tell you that there are times between that first day and today that you wonder if it was all worth it. And, of course, I'm cancer-free, so, of course, it was worth it. But the lingering side effects from the poison um, are some days overwhelming. And I will tell you that I've had many days where I I lose it and I'm frustrated and I I question myself if I did the right thing by doing the chemo of course I know everybody looks at you like you're you have three heads when you say that but they're also have never walked in your shoes and they haven't felt like you felt so it's um it's a weird feeling but to kind of back up a little bit I kind of missed this step I want to go back to it they send you to a chemo class that you have to attend and this again is where I attended uh, and where I received chemo. So it could be different in other places. But where I went, they actually send you to a chemo class. It was about, I'm thinking, I mean, everything's so jumbled back then, but it was about a two-hour class. Pretty extensive, um, giving you all the details of what's going to happen with your blood counts, how your white blood count's going to drop, your neutrophils, your red counts, Um they kind of give you just walk you through all the medical side of the chemo and of course it's you know there's everybody gets different treatment and a different protocol and so everybody's reactions are different so it's pretty generic as far as what's going to happen except for the blood because I think that's pretty standard on what goes on with your white blood count and your red blood count of course again that's different depending on um, what kind of chemo and how harsh it is and how often you're getting it is will determine how low it gets and when it gets low and all of that so sitting through that chemo class um I was by myself in the class because I figure why well, you know why drag people everybody else in there with me <laughs> as well just go and they give you a book to take home and I took notes and of course I asked a million questions and I was in there with just one other couple that I think it was a husband and wife and I think it was she that was going through the are going to start treatment and so um they didn't ask me any questions I ask a ton and um because you're you know it's all new things you've never heard about before in your life if you've never been with anybody that's had chemo and so pretty overwhelming to say the least the things they 
again, they talked about more just what your white counts are going to do. They, your first day when you're diagnosed or you meet with your oncologist, they send you home that day with a prescription for pain, not pain medicines, anti-nausea and um, a antibiotic. And those are to be taken after you start chemo. The antibiotic is not to be taken unless you actually are running a 100.4 fever. And then at that point you call the doctor and then they tell you to start taking the antibiotic. But they have it there at your house just in case you do get sick that you have an antibiotic ready to go. You don't have to worry about getting a prescription for it. And then they give you two different kinds of anti-nausea medicine Um, in anticipation of your first treatment and so you already have that at home ready to go and then they explain to you all the rules around that and and what to look for on your fever and that type of thing so they give you a a thermometer and they give you tons of stuff in this little bag to take home to be ready in case it all happens once you start chemo thankfully I never had to take the antibiotic I stayed pretty healthy I didn't get sick at all actually from a virus or outside you know viruses I was sick as a dog from the chemo but I never got sick from outside sources or bacteria so anyway after your chemo class and then I started chemo I think two days later um so many things they don't tell you in that chemo class they do say that if you are taking Taxol or you're taking a chemo that's going to make your hair fall out that will start falling out um two weeks from your first day of treatment And so, um, and let me just say something about that. Your hair doesn't start falling out. It it literally falls out by the handfuls. There's no starting about it. Like you think when someone says, oh, your hair will start falling out two weeks from the day of your first treatment, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to start seeing, you know, hair on my lap, hair on my shoulders. No, no, no. (laughs) That's not what happens at all. I will tell you, I was on, I was driving to a meeting, and it was my, it would have been two weeks on Friday, and this was a Wednesday, so the Wednesday before my two weeks on Friday, and I just reached up, because I was on my way to a meeting, so I just kind of reached up to fluff my hair as I was um, getting close to the meeting location, and when I pulled my hand down, there was literally, I, you know, it's like, thousands of hair on my hand it wasn't just like a couple of pieces like my hand was covered I was sitting on a stoplight and I just remember going oh holy cow okay (laughs) okay well it's happening and it doesn't happen slowly it's like all in like there's no little bit it's all in and so I just took a deep breath. I'm like, okay, I got this. But then you're like, well, wait a minute. There must be a bald spot on my head if I lost that much hair in one little touch of my head. So now I'm looking in the mirror going, whoa, there must be a bald spot somewhere, which there wasn't. It's amazing how many hairs you actually have on your head. Um, and so that kind of began that process. And I had scheduled a head shaving party for the next Thursday because I thought, since my regimen was actually broken up from going once a month, I was going three weeks. I was going every th- every week for three weeks was my whole full um, treatment, and then I'd start over. I thought, well, maybe since the doses are smaller, since I'm, they've divided it up into three weeks, um, and I'll touch on that why in a minute, but I thought um, my hair probably won't fall out as fast. It's going to take a little bit longer because... 
I'm not getting as much dosage at that first week. Well, that's not true. It falls out like crazy no matter how your doses come. So by the time my head shaving party happened the next Thursday, because now it's um, you know a week and a day since I noticed the big handful of hair. So needless to say, by the next Thursday, it was bad. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's like the craziest thing. Like you're outside and the wind's blowing, your hair blows by you. Like you see big tufts of hair fly by you. It's the most surreal, crazy experience. And, you know, people, it's funny how when you do a podcast and you're talking so openly and honestly about the process, how I get so many DMs from people on social media when I post stuff, lecturing me to some degree and I was pretty honest about the losing my hair and all that. And, you know, people lecture me all the time about it. It's just hair. It'll grow back. And that's not even the point of losing your hair. First of all, you know, men go bald. Yes, they go bald. But it is a gradual process. When you lose your hair from chemo, there's nothing gradual about it. Like, it's falling out in crazy, crazy amounts. You wake up in the morning and your pillowcase is covered covered not just a few little strands of hair covered in hair so it's overwhelming and it's um it's just weird and there's no way to wrap your brain around that you can say all day long it's going to grow back and it is going to grow back but it's I'm a year out of it I had my head shaving party in August of last year and I still don't have I'm still not styling my hair I don't have enough hair to style yet so you know it's a it's a good year and a half before I'll probably have any kind of a style. Anyway, um, so the thing that I always say is it's not so much about the fact that your hair's falling out. It's the fact that it's the poison in your body that's making your hair fall out. Not just like little strands trickling down. It's like by the thousands of strands in one handful falling out and it's because you have poison in your body and you think well if it's doing this to my hair on my head I can't even imagine what it's doing to my internal organs and everything and so it's it's kind of a eye-opener it's a slap in the face it's 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 a weird thing to wrap your head around and there's really not a whole easy way to wrap your head around it you just gotta you you really learn to deal with it as you as you move through the process but the other thing they didn't tell you in chemo class is that when your hair falls out at that level and that pace, your scalp feels like it's been scalded. And not one time had I ever heard that. So to kind of lay it out there. So on Wednesday is when my hair started falling out. And I say started, came out by the handfuls on Wednesday. So then um, by Saturday, I mean, it was just craziness by Saturday. Like I said, you wake up and your pillowcase is covered in hair. And um, I reached up because you're always just thinking, okay, today there's got to be nothing left because it's coming out so rapidly. So I kind of laying in bed Saturday morning, I reach up to touch my head just to kind of see how much hair is left because I'm just convinced there's not much. And your head literally feels like someone's poured hot water on it. Your scalp is so sore. And so I'm like, well, wait a minute. What's wrong with my scalp? Why is it hurting so badly? So I reach over. I get my phone, which is where I went all the time. And I started, I followed a lot of blogs from women 
that were, you know, ahead of me in the process. And so I start reading through all these blogs trying to determine why is my head on fire? Well, sure enough, um, everybody talks about it. And it's, I guess, um, the hair follicle dying so quickly causes the scalp to be in pain just because it's dying follicles. And it literally feels like it's the worst sunburn of your life. And you know how your head's so tender when it gets sunburned. It's that same feeling. It didn't last forever, but it was there probably, well, it was there until I shaved my head. And then once I shaved my head, um, it it wasn't, you know, the pain was gone and it didn't really hurt after that. Um, once it's all gone, there's nothing to die off. And so there was no pain left. But crazy thing so there's a lot of things they could add to that chemo class <laughs> they don't that um would be beneficial because it's sort of a learning curve as you go along um so then back to the chemo so once once that once you get through the chemo class you start your first day of chemo i will say that the funny thing about my first day of chemo you know you're getting poison in your veins but you they do give you so many pre-meds the anti-nausea the um, Benadryl and the steroid. Of course, the steroid is strictly just so you can handle the symptoms from the chemo. So you kind of leave there that first, my first day I left there feeling a little, I don't know, I guess woozy would be a good word to describe it. You're just a little out of it. You feel a little punch drunk, um, kind of... I don't know. You're just in your own. It's fo- you're foggy. I guess foggy would be the best way to describe it. You're just not yourself. You feel bloated. That was the thing. I always joked that I went in with one chin and came out with three, because by the time you would leave there with all the fluids in your body, you're feeling pretty puffy. Um, and so it's just a weird feeling. I just remember I had a friend take me and she took me home and just sort of hung out on the couch not really knowing like I just didn't you know you just don't feel yourself you just feel a little weird and obviously that feeling just gets magnified every time you go but so I thought okay got you you know you're pumped full of steroids so by the next day I was like superwoman I felt amazing because I had steroids through me um so I kind of had a normal day on Saturday thinking okay well I got this chemo thing this isn't bad I feel a little weird I feel a little foggy but all in all, I feel pretty good. <laughs> then Sunday hit, and it was not good. I was so sick on Sunday, so so sick. Um, and so, of course, they have your—you already have your anti-nausea medicine. So I started taking it, which did zero good for me. It never affected the nausea at all. So then that kind of started the whole process of trying to figure out an anti-nausea medicine that would work for me. And I think we went through seven or eight different anti-nausea medicines and none of them worked. But I was so caught off guard with that, the level of nausea that I felt on Sunday. And I literally described it as feeling like I was buried alive. I can't, I don't know how else to describe how bad it feels. Um, your nausea level, at my nausea level, was at the level of, you know how you feel when you're so sick and you need to throw up and you're right at that point where you just think, if I could just throw up. That's where I was, which never went away, but I never threw up. Not one time during this entire, uh, my entire uh, treatment did I ever throw up. But it was that level of nausea where I just thought, oh, man, it's just that extreme 
just sickening nausea. So that was one way I felt bad. And then the other, you just feel, I can't describe it, but boy, Sundays were rough and they never got better. Saturdays were always good days because of the steroids. Sundays were really, really rough. So that first Monday, I get up to go to work, and I was oh, and the nausea just would not go away. It was just that where you just thought, if I eat a cracker, I'm just going to eat some crackers. And so on my way to the office, I stopped at the Reesers and bought a box of Cheez-Its. I thought, man, if I could just eat a few crackers, I think it'll get better, which it never did. I think I ate that entire box of Cheez-Its in 24 hours, just hoping for some relief, which I never got. And then I never got any relief from the anti-nausea medicine either. So we finally found one um, that actually worked for me. It wasn't anti-nausea. It was, um, oh, I just went blank, Ativan, um, which finally we got that down the road that would take it from about a 10 nausea level to about a 7. So it was never great, but at least I kind of got, you know, had three points in there of relief. So... um, Anyway, so each treatment kind of went the same way, same process. You went in, I went in every Friday, usually around 10 o'clock, um, 10.45. From that point on, I actually got my lab work done up in the chemo room. Um, so you go check in at the chemo window. They give you your bracelet, or you check in at the front desk, give your bracelet. Go up to the chemo room. You check in up there. The good news is you can actually request your nurse um, each week. So I would, uh, my first nurse that I connected with so greatly, um, I never saw her for several weeks because they work in different departments. They don't just work in the chemo room. They kind of alternate. And so the the next few times I asked for her, she was actually not available. She was working in another department. So it was several weeks before I saw her again. But I um, connected with another lady. Her name was Rhonda in... um, I asked for her every week, and then I would ask for my uh, Tracy, who was also my first chemo nurse, when she was available. And so that's the great thing is you kind of you get really close to your chemo nurses because you get them the same one every week, which I, I ended up getting Rhonda many weeks in a row, and that was really great because they get to know you. They know your symptoms. They know what you're feeling through the week, and they can kind of help you through that. So when you go back for your second treatment, that's the first thing they ask you. Well, tell me how your week was. How'd you feel? You know, did the medicines work? And so they're there to kind of assess you and to figure out what's working, what's not working. And then they can start requesting additional medicine if you need it to kind of help with that, which obviously nausea was my main thing that we could not get control of. But we always worked on it every week trying to see if we could find something that would work. So they draw your blood, they take it back down, they wait for it to go down to the lab to see how your counts are. If your counts are good, you kind of there's like a 30-minute window where you're waiting. You don't know if you're going to stay or if you're going to go based on your blood count. And on my, usually 2, 2.30, on a two-chemo bag day, I was there until 3.34 um, typically. So um, my one recommendation is that you take a chemo buddy Um First of all, you're a little you're a little groggy when you leave there, and so having someone drive you home is is really beneficial. Now I know a lot of people that came from work. I saw people coming from work and would be by themselves. I went a couple times by myself. It actually is not bad. I had it was fun because the volunteers will stay and talk to you more. The nurses tend to talk to you more if you don't have a guest, just because they feel like 
when you're there with a guest, you're talking to the guest. But um, I enjoyed my days by myself, but I loved going with, had somebody with me. But the, those two days, I, those two times I went by myself, they actually weren't that bad. It was kind of fun. But um, I would highly recommend it. For one, you're there for a while. And two, you need someone to take you home because you're a little out of it um, driving home. Or I was anyway. I think everybody might be different. But I was a little weird <laughs> when I left there. But so that's kind of your process. The day that you, um, if your counts come back low, um, they basically hold your treatment and you just have to wait for the next week and kind of start over the next week because they won't give it to you if you're low. And I had a I had a few days in there where they held. In fact, my last two treatments were held, or my last treatment was held because um, I had 18 treatments. Um, that was just my protocol. And again, everybody's different. And that was every Friday um, throughout the process until you're done. So you kind of count down 18, 17, 16. It's a long, long time. I was talking to my mom yesterday, and I said, can you believe it's going to be eight months on August 1st? And she goes, boy, it's gone by fast since you've been done. I said, yeah, it really has. She goes, it sure didn't go by that fast while you were getting treatments. And boy, that is for sure. It is a long, 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 long process while you're getting them. But it's over, you know, it's over, and you survive, and then then the chore is starting to heal, which have to, I have to say, I sometimes think the healing process has been harder than going through the treatment. It's I'm going to do a podcast on just what I've gone through to feel better, and I've tried everything and anything to feel better. Um, and I, I will say that after seven seven months is about the time I started feeling like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit back to myself again. I had one day, the end of June, where I was like, I actually feel human again today. And then you still have bad days. I still have bad weeks. But each day gets better. And I will say that um, I can really say today that I'm really starting to feel more my age instead of 40 years older which I will tell you that for many, many, many months, I walk like and I look like I'm about 40 years older than I am. But I'm really noticing in the last couple of weeks that I'm actually starting to feel back at my age again and not, not somebody that's actually aged as rapidly as I did through that process. It's a, it is a tough, tough road. But it's a road that um, when you're on the other side of it is something that changes you and it makes you a different person you appreciate so much more you appreciate people more you appreciate your family more it's just it it is kind of crazy uh what a mind game this whole cancer thing is but that's just a little bit of the treatment i'm going to get into more of it and kind of what i've done to heal from the treatment i know there's a lot of people that um are you know just wrapping up chemo and some that are just starting and so um it's you know I'm certainly not an expert but I know what I did and I I did a lot of things that really helped me through it more mentally than anything because that's your hardest I'm as bad as you feel it's such a mental game of what's happening to you why you're feeling so bad and it's a crazy experience and um one I wouldn't wish on my worst um enemy but it's um, getting pretty, it's crazy how many people are actually going through this now. So 
I always um, say at the end, if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to help with what I went through and kind of how I survived the process. And I would love to um, talk to anybody that um, has questions and and just kind of help you through the process because it is a crazy ride. And um, I'll be back with, uh, we've got a lot of guests lined up coming up. So I'll be back with some new people. And, um, And in the meantime, if you have any questions, just please reach out to me. Thanks for listening. Bye.